back. Kun, uh, uh, in setting up this interview, uh, we were talking, basically going through all the things we might talk about, and uh, one, the thing that struck me and probably I felt like would start this off best is you told a story about how you guys started doing this. And I think that's the way the audience ought to be brought into this topic. So, 20 years ago, I started a company called, uh, called OVG, and um, we set out to make office buildings, and we were a real developer, and then um, we fell in love with sustainability. And then we had a, a client, uh, Deloitte, and they asked us to make a really sustainable building. And so in order to get to sort of the world record of sustainability, we figured out that we needed to be more precise in measuring what was going on. And so we started to buy all kinds of innovations, and we, we ended up with uh, buying sensors, and, and we became better and better in doing that. And we made a building called The Edge uh, in Amsterdam, and to our complete surprise, it indeed became the most sustainable building in the world. Uh, and, and Bloomberg came over um, uh, with a camera team, and they filmed it, and suddenly we were right in the middle of being sort of famous with a building. But we didn't know anything about data. We've sort of stumbled over what you can do with a sensor. Turns out that half the building had the wrong sensor, so we had to learn a lot of stuff. But it was really an adventure, a journey to get to where we then ended up with, uh, with the edge. And basically, we liked it so much that then we said, OK, let's not be a real estate company anymore. We think that, uh, that there's a lot wrong in the real estate industry. There's a lot of things that need to change. Um, buildings have 40% of the carbon emissions in the world. And we say, okay, let's try to be less of a real estate company and more of a tech company uh, in order to be able to disrupt the industry more. And then we set up Edge Technologies, and that's how we ended up here. Okay, so you turned out that that first move was, was a hit, and you're, you're going to keep doing that. So just for the audience, because I don't know, I come to these conferences, everybody here comes to these things, and we talk about smart cities, smart buildings. Break it down. What is a smart building? This is great. Simple, so, real terms. There are four things. There are four things that we do. The first thing is that there is really no use anymore for any building, any new building in the world, or any mm -hmm. building that's renovated, not to be energy neutral and, um, and designed with all kinds of circular elements in there. So from the perspective of sustainability, we want to make sure that every building does not produce any carbon emissions anymore. That's, that's the first. The second is that we believe that we have the technology now to make a building so healthy that if you walk in in the building and you walk out at the end of the day, you should be healthier when you walk out and not being unhealthy when you walk out of the, that building. And that means measuring air quality, making sure that there's enough light on the workplace, and there's a lot of other things that are pretty simple things that we can do. So that's number two. Number three is that there's a lot of technology around that can make life a lot easier and nicer in that building. And making sure that, that, that parking space is available for you, that you don't have to check in in one of these boring entrance spaces, but that things are completely done in a way that they're flawless and easy to, uh, to help you in that building. So technology is free. And then the fourth thing, uh, maybe uh, also a very important thing, is that buildings should be fun. Most buildings are not fun. Most buildings are very corporate and, and not, so, not so nice to work in. We want to make buildings that if you walk in and you, you enter sort of the, the, the lobby area, that you don't even want to go anymore to your, to your floor and to your own workspace. You want to stay there because there's amazing coffee and it looks great and you get energized from the people around you and you just open your laptop and you stay there. Those four things we think is the future of building. So, oh great. So second one sounds like just better architecture. The third and the fourth one, let's unpack that a little bit because uh, you're talking about technology that makes working there better. So what are some examples? Uh, I'm, let's just say I'm a, let's start with I'm a tenant. I want to rent, uh, I said square feet earlier, whatever, square meters. Uh, 
what am I, what am I getting that's different? What, what feels different as a business that's, you know, I, I rented a building before, now I'm going to rent one from you, uh, one of your buildings. What, what's going on? So I, I would say that in the old days, what happened is that you could then rent a certain amount of square meters. Mm -hmm. You could rent it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You paid a certain price, but the price was excluding all kinds of other things like energy consumption, all kinds of other things happening in the building. And funny enough, these are all things you don't want. What you want is a certain amount of desks, and you want to be flexible with that space, and you want to have amazing amenities around it, and you want to have the ability to tap into that. Uh, people don't want to have a, a boardroom anymore where they can sit with 25 people. They want to be able to rent that boardroom for two hours uh, per, per week and then, and then use that. And so the modern building of, of, of the future will have a very different leasing model than we uh, had in the past. And, and I think WeWork is, uh, has been an yeah, example like of, of experimenting that. What we believe is going to be a game changer is that so far, a lot of these co-working spaces were done in buildings that were pretty pretty dumb buildings, right? They're, sometimes mm -hmm, they look mm -hmm. nice and they painted them with nice colors, but the building itself was basically building from, from before the war. And what we now can do is make buildings that are also very smart and make sure that there's enough light on the workspace, uh, make sure that if you want to find your colleague that you have an app and that you can see on your app where the others are, where you can see what meeting rooms are available, book that meeting room from your app and be a lot more, more uh, happy in that building than in the old days. Okay, so as a tenant, I have this, this flexibility. That's, that's interesting, because it's like trying to plan out how much space you're going to need. Usually you end up overbuying. I don't know, I, I overbought uh, in, in our first, in the space we're in now. We, thankfully, we filled it, but that sounds interesting. But so, so I'm an employee now. Let's say I, I want to go work there, and you've got this WeWork model. And, but the things that matter to me, and I don't know if you guys saw what I was talking about earlier, are I want to be more comfortable when I'm at work. Uh, I want the lighting to be great. Uh, I, I want all the, and, and you, you're talking about this really awesome lobby. Unpack some of that for me. First of all, what's going on in that lobby? But then let's, let's talk about what it means to make an employee experience better. Yeah, so um, if, if you would be a worker and you, you, you have a certain, uh, in the old days you would have yourself a room, right? And that room you could uh, sort of put on the temperature and do all the things that you wanted to do. Now what we have learned is that there's a lot of people that uh, don't need to have 500 lux of light on their workplace. And most people work with computers, and so 300 can be, can be done as well. Now, you might be somebody that actually loves to have 500 lux. So what we can do now in the building, have a standard setting, a default setting that is 300. Mm -hmm. But if you really like to have 500, you can move to different spaces in the building. And if you, sit, if you hit a desk, you sit down there, wherever it is, there's a, there's a sensor in that light, he recognizes your phone, and then he can change that light setting. Now, light is just one thing, but we're going to do that also with temperature, we're going to do that with a lot of other things. Um, that's this awesome. continues with uh, Wait, all kinds of new technologies that are out there. Sorry, I'm so enthusiastic. No, that's so, awesome. So what you can also do is, uh, uh, when you enter the building, and the, and the building knows what you want to do that day. So let's say that you want to concentrate on reading a contract that day. And so mm -hmm. it makes sure that you get a private, quiet part of the building where you can do your work. Then, um, uh, in the old days, you would have to tap into an, uh, an elevator and, and wait for the elevator. What we can now do is make sure that with face recognition, we know who you are, the elevator gets there, picks you up, and brings you exactly to the floor. We even are, are thinking about, if you don't really want to know, uh, really sure what, what desk is your desk, that we can have little LEDs or little robots going around and showing you what, uh, what is happening. 
there's a lot more. Uh, there's, there's the possibility if, there, uh, if you order something at Amazon, that Amazon flies a drone, lands it on the roof, a robot picks up your package and brings it to your place. And the computer, the building knows where you are. Some of these things are gimmicks and might not be used by everybody. But we think that we'll be trying things out, and some things will not be so sensible, and other things might be a little bit expensive, but there will be a hard you know, group of amenities that are, that are great and helping you uh, have, a, have a nicer experience in the building. Okay, so a lot of where you went sounds pretty futuristic. So, especially for the sake of the audience who is hearing a lot of futuristic possibilities, unpack what I could get out of a, a building today, and then kind of walk me into how you're moving into that future where everywhere I sit, it knows me and it cradles me in information and the perfect temperature and light. So I think it's important to understand that there's the user part of it, and I, I, I gave some examples of what is possible there for the user, and then there's the, what we call the tenant, and that's, yep. those are the bigger organizations that, that, run, that normally rent you know, a thousand desks or a couple of floors or uh, whatever. Now for the uh, for the, uh, uh, the tenant, uh, this is really a game changer. And why? Because in the old days, well, you, you had two possibilities. You could say everybody get his own desk, but then you see that half the building is always empty. <laughs> then somebody came up, probably a CFO, like, oh, you know, let's not give anybody his own desk anymore, but let's just, you know, let people find their, their place. But then it became a mess, because it was very unclear what is free. And we've seen examples of big buildings where one part of the building people were actually working in the staircase and typing away in their computer, and other parts of the building, there were, there were desks available. But there was no information shared with the user of making sure that they knew what they, where they could work. Now, the building manager now can have a very easy sensor at every desk, can see where space is available, and when you enter the building and you tell the computer what it is that you want to do that day, you get assigned the, 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 the place, the workplace that you need. And we mm -hmm. call that activity-based working. And in the Deloitte building uh, in, in Amsterdam, it turns out that we can then have 60% The more building's called Edge, right? It's called Edge, yeah. 60% yeah. more people uh, working uh -huh. in that building than we thought previously before we started the, the construction. Cool, okay, so a lot of this involves data, um, and we could get into the whole privacy, and maybe we should talk a little bit about how creepy some of this is. Yeah. But it, first, as a business, you're not just putting this stuff somewhere, you're, you're talking about a lot of services. What, I work at a company, this company has a little IT group. Um, how, what's your story in interfacing with the building as a service? I mean, it sounds like you're partly kind of deploying yourself as a service, and, and how does that interface with all of the kind of services we all know today uh, that are really kind of company-specific? I don't really see my building as a service yet, so I yeah. think that's interesting. It is interesting. We, to be honest, we are trying to figure it out ourselves. Okay. Um, and luckily, we only have a couple of buildings uh, that are actually really open at the moment and uh, that are being used. Uh, and the reason is we came from the development world. Uh, we, have, uh, we have taken new talent in to make sure that we understand that whole service model. But for us, it's actually it's, it's quite a journey, quite an adventure. And, um, sometimes we talk to people and, and some things work and some things don't work and we have to figure out how to do that. Um, what, what we want to do going forward is work together with some, uh, with some amazing operators. Um, mm -hmm. in, uh, in Amsterdam here we, uh, we have a joint venture with a company called Epicenter and uh, they help us to optimize this, uh, this operations uh, in the building. Um, there's also uh, companies like WeWork doing this and we might be working with some of the co-working spaces to make sure that that whole service package in the building uh, is also being done in a smart and good way. 
the difficulty there is that we want to keep control, for example, about the quality of the food. We want to have, want to make sure that people are healthier at the end yeah, of the yeah. day than they came in in the morning. And then we really have to be on top of it, make sure that the ingredients are bought locally and not being sent out of China and do things in a different way there as well. How about the Googles and the Microsofts who see not only, you know, they, they of course have a strong position in general IT, but especially like a Google sees the interior space, the mapping and the knowledge base of what is going on in a workspace as their game to play, right? They're, they map the world, they're now mapping the insides of things, uh, our, our spaces that we all work in. Yours, kind of moving into that, are they friend, foe? How's that working? Yeah, so um, what, is, what is interesting is that I think the tech industry is finding out that the last industry in the world that has not been affected so much by technology is the real estate industry. Uh, and by the way, the real estate industry is the largest industry in the world. And there's no industry bigger. And it hasn't been touched. Basically, the way we design buildings and we build buildings, if you would, would make a black and white picture of a construction site today, you could, you could tell people that it's actually a, yeah, it a picture exactly from the, the 50s, same. right? It's exactly the same. And now, finally, that is going to change. So what we see is there's companies like uh, Google, for example, they have set up a new company, Sidewalk Labs, and they're going to design a whole new city in Toronto or part of a city, and they're moving into that space. We see Microsoft that visited our building, uh, and we had, a, we had a meeting with Satya Nadella, the CEO, and he said, there are a couple of things really important for Microsoft, and of course, it's the car industry with the driverless cars, but the building industry is for us the, 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 the big thing. Everything that uses electricity will be connected uh, via the internet, and all that data will be stored in a cloud solution. And of course, they want to have their Azure cloud as, as the basis for that. So we hope that we can partner with these companies and build the best solutions. Uh, what we are, of course, a little bit afraid of, that these companies are so big, um, we know that there ultimately will be one or two or three, let's say, operating systems for, for buildings. And the big question is, who is going to be the winner of that race of making that operating system? Is that one of these startups that we see, for example, also here in the Netherlands, in Delft, uh, coming up, is that going to be Google that can easily free up a thousand people and move fast? Or is it maybe a company like ourselves that have the knowledge of so many years of, of doing really understanding buildings and coming from the building industry and trying to then you know, pivot into a way of, of using that data. The jury is still out, um, but I'm, of course, afraid of Amazon and Google and the power of these companies. So yes and. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So a lot of this is data, right? You're talking about the value sort of moving to information. Um, as a building owner, that's obvious. I want to make the building more efficient. As, an, as a tenant, uh, maybe I'm interested in that, and you, you talked about the flexibility. As a user, um, is that data, so the experiences we talked about a little bit, but is that data ever accessible to me? And also, how do I feel comfortable about that? Yeah. How should I feel comfortable about it? Have you encountered this story, or are you a little removed from it? Is there a kind of, there's a sociological angle to the fact that I'm now an instrument to space to a space. It, I mean, it creeps me out if I walk through the whole mile of what that amounts to. Tell us a little bit how you feel. What we, uh, what we find interesting is that we, uh, of course, interview our users and, uh, and ask them about mm -hmm. their experience in the building. Um, and to give you one anecdote, uh, uh, we had a system where um, when you drive with your car into the parking garage, it's a very simple technique where a camera can recognize your license plate and then it can open <laughs> automatically. 
And then um, uh, the unions uh, of the, the tenant, they said, no, 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 you can't do that because it will be the same system as if you click into one of these old clocks, you know, where we can register how long you've been in the, in the building. And so what we did is we said, okay, it's off, the system doesn't work unless you actively go on a website and you do it. 99% of the people did it, registered. And what you see is that we are so used to, nice. to being engaged with technology, as long as it helps us, then it works. One thing is very important for us, or two things are important. We give people the ability to shut off the system. So if you don't want to be found, if you, you exactly, nice. then you can, you can do that easily. And the second thing is uh, we want to make sure that we really don't know on an individual basis what is happening. We could know a lot of things, and that's the scary part. We could see that two people end up in the same toilet, for example, which would be weird, but we don't want to know those things. And we make sure that individual data doesn't get to us. Okay, so just to be fair, you have a minute and 19, 18 seconds. What else do you want to say that I haven't asked you? Because, I mean, I can't read you. Well, I, I think that um, uh, for the audience, it could be really interesting to see what is now happening in that real estate industry. And that real estate yeah. industry is still filled with people that are making a lot of money with doing the things they've done that over the last 25 years. And so change will not be coming from the, the real estate parties that we know. And at the same time, we see a lot of startups, we see the big tech companies, and they're ready to move into this industry. Uh, and I, I really hope that when we come back here in a couple of years, that there will be new construction companies that do 3D printing or that do things in a very different way. I think the best thing that happened to the construction industry in the last years is that Elon Musk started his boring company. Boring company uh, claims that they can drill a tunnel five times faster than the traditional uh, uh, tunnel drillers uh, would do that. Well, still they have to prove it and they will, they will enter in a lot of problems uh, before it happens. Uh, but if we can change this industry, uh, we can get rid of all the bad buildings and really move into a world with better buildings. And that's what we, what we need to do. Well, that's, look, I'm a huge fan simply because if you saw my talk, I'm all about like, there's, there's gonna be a, uh, this really a new ream of data that changes what it means to design new moments in, in human interaction. And it sounds like that kind of stuff will be at the level of the building as opposed to uh, the level of the sort of the handset where it's sort of stuck right now. And that's super exciting, if nothing else, but a lot, lot going on. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys for your time. Thank you.